Hello and welcome to another episode of Who Knew in the Moment the podcast. I'm your host, Phil Friedrich, and today I am honored to have Noelle Jett with me. If the name sounds familiar, it's because I was honored to have she and her husband on earlier this year. And today what we're talking about is one, her story, but two, she's releasing a new book uh, in March of 2022, highlighting her life, the obstacles she's had to overcome, and where she's heading. Thanks so much for tuning in. Hello, and welcome to another episode of Who Knew in the Moment, the podcast. Today, I am honored to have a familiar face with us uh, for episode number two, but Noelle Jett is with us, and uh, we had the first uh, version of uh, their story, and that was really how they went from where they were to where they're at today. And today, we're going to dive a little bit deeper on the book that they have coming out, and then also uh, Noelle's success in the social media realm and some tips and tricks that'll be helpful there. So, Noelle, thanks again for being on today. Absolutely, it's a pleasure to be back with you. You bet. So once again, at, at the end of our last uh, episode, we talked about the books that are coming out and we have kind of two coming out in 2022, but we're going to start with the one that is a little bit more focused towards you, as I understand it. So talk once again, we heard a little bit about how it came to be, but talk about what's all been going into that and the premise of the book and some of the underlying themes. Absolutely. So the book is called From the Ground Up, Building a Beautiful Life with Grit and Grace. So it talks, it's really a three full book. So part one is just life, overcoming hard things, pushing through when the going gets tough, achieving big dreams that most people would tell you are not achievable. That's one section. Second section is a house. We built a house. That's what all of this started from. A lot of people are interested in DIY projects. Maybe not everyone is taking on an entire house build. <laughs> However, even just simple things that we can talk about that. And then the third section is utilizing social media. In this day and age that we live, it is an amazing tool, no matter what your career choice is, no matter what you're trying to achieve with your life, social media provides a tool that is just unheard of to generations past. It can open so many doors, opportunities, make connections in ways we would have never dreamed possible not that long ago. So it's just how we utilize that and some, like you said, tips and tricks to allow other people to do that same thing. Yeah. So yes. I like how it's got the three different parts. So starting with that first part, uh, you know, the grit part, right? Overcoming adversity and things like that. Um, you know, not, not to give away the whole context of it, but what are a few things um, as you reflect back on it that, you know, you really saw grit come through in your life? Sure. So, and not everyone may have the same exact challenges that I had to overcome. Like everyone's background is going to look different. The things that they had to overcome. For me personally, I was raised in poverty. Yeah. My parents at one point, I think made $6,000 with a family of seven. Uh, we've lived off the land. We raised cattle or a cat. We usually had like a cow, a pig, some chickens. My dad deer hunted. We had a garden and that's how we lived. We didn't go to the grocery store and just buy groceries. I think my, I, I think at the best point, my mom spent $300 a month wow. on her family of seven milk was considered a luxury item. It, you know, we never went to the store and got new clothes. Like I had never even seen the inside of a shopping mall till <laughs> I was well into my teens. Yeah. And it, 
and we didn't know we really didn't know that though we didn't really realize how poor we were mm-hmm. until we got away and you know kind of met, grew up into our adult years and like wow that you know we didn't have much <laughs> yeah uh, so that was one of them and secondly is religious extremism I was raised in what I label a cult. It was a independent fundamentalist Baptist group that had their little school that you had to have your kids in so that they could teach them from their point of view on all topics. Every single thing that you learned, you learned it from that one worldview. Yeah. And anyone outside of that little group was a bad influence, was not someone in time, even family, cousins. Our time was very limited with the people that we spent time around. Um, because they didn't want that bad influence on us. Yeah. And my parents had, they had a great heart behind it. Like they definitely weren't like, oh, let's torture and torment our children and put them through this. Like they truly um, got married, met at 16, got married very young, wanted different for their kids. Mm. They wanted to raise good kids. Like that doesn't every parent want yeah, that. Right. They all want to raise <laughs> right. Kids, right. So got mixed up in this culture that's very prevalent in the Midwest especially back in the eighties. And that's what they were told. This is the, this is what you do. This is a B and C. If you follow these steps, you will have good kids. Wow. And they poured their lives into it. And if that is one thing, my parents definitely gave it their all. They do that in anything they do. So, you know, they were trying their best, but just misguided. Yeah. So those are some of the major things. And then as a child, and then as I grew up, um, my, which I will, I'll try to go to the whole story, but yeah. long story short, my family ended up getting excommunicated mm-hmm. when I was 21, I believe. So I was already in Florida, but my family was back home. My little brothers, I saw the pain they were going through. Um, and it just made me question everything I had ever been taught yeah. regarding religion, life, everything just uh, put me into a tailspin. You know, I started drinking, going out and partying, things like I would have never envisioned myself doing. Yeah. Up, pregnant, two weeks later, married. <laughs> and I, which I, we ended up losing that baby shortly thereafter. But now I hear I am married to this man that I've known for like three months. Um, stuck it out for almost five years. Yeah. Ended up divorced. Surprise. I know it's a big talker. <laughs> um, so now I'm a single mom. Yeah. Of very young children. Ava was three months old when I left. So three three. single mom thinking my life is over. Like Mm. how I had raised divorce was like the cardinal sin. Like so go on in the church. There's um, so like (laughs) pedophilia, there's affairs, there's all kinds of things that go on that they kind of sweep under the rug, you know, and everyone just kind of moves on. But divorce was the one thing that like you just did not do. Right. So I was going to be, you know, the single mom that, that had just ruined my entire life. These decisions that I had made just set me on this path to destruction. Mm. Well, a year later in Walt's Daniel <laughs> and he looked at me with my two kids and he actually has a stepdad who had come into his life when he was young. Yeah. And his response was, if I can do for kids these two beautiful little girls what my stepdad has done for me sign me up and our first date we were inseparable we got married a year later and here we are today um so that's kind of 
backstory, some of the things that I've overcome. There's more that we talk about in the book, but that's just yeah. kind of all of it. The, the, the biggest three points, I would say, in a nutshell. Yeah. So let's let's start with the first one and work through that. Um, you know, a, a term you used was, you know, we were we were poor, we were in poverty. Um, and yet you talked about, you know, your household in a very, I would say, loving manner, right? We were still a family, you know, we didn't know different. And I think um, I, I've heard it explained this way before. There's a difference between um, poor in regards to finances and poor in regards to mindset and standard of living. And so maybe talk a little bit about, you know, the separation of that, even though maybe from a financial standpoint, we didn't have everything we would have wanted, right? And things like that. But there was still a good, you know, foundation and, you know, structure in a home. Sure. Now, we were in a very poor part of America, a very rural country part of America, which at some point I will talk about the, you know, in in this journey, I will talk about the problem with rural America and some of these issues that we have in our own country and the health and the, um, the mind issues, like the mental health issues that result from that, that just are not being addressed. And these people are just falling through the cracks and people just don't, I mean, we never even, no one ever even knew what was going on for our family. Um, which is in and of itself, its own problem. Um, but my, so we just didn't see wealth. We didn't know like, oh, all these other people have wealth and the religious part of it kind of colored it too, because wealth was seen as a bad thing. Mm. Wealth, (laughs) you know, money is evil. The love of money is the root of all evil. We were told, um, it was good to sacrifice. It was good to serve Jesus and he would provide everything you ever needed we didn't go to the doctor. I think I went to the doctor one time in my entire childhood. And instead of saying like, oh, you know, it's time for your annual appointments, we were told God gave you strong bodies and healthy teeth. We don't need to go to the dentist. We don't need to go to the doctor. Wow. So the religious aspect played into that as well. Yeah. But we had food in our bellies. You know, we ate, we didn't get the um, I, I always laugh at the story, but every Tuesday there was this little diner in town. And the students could like place their little order and this little old man in the church, he'd go pick up the food and bring it to the school and they'd all get their little meals. Right. We never got to do that. Cause I, you know, with $5 per student times five kids, there's $25. So every day I would volunteer to go distribute the food so that I could eat the French fries from the (laughs) bottom bag. That was like my trees. So every Tuesday I'll go down and I'll distribute the lunches and then pull it all out. There's little French fries and I'm getting to eat them. Um, so we didn't get the treats. We didn't get the luxuries, but we were fed. As far as we knew, we were healthy. Um, we knew we were loved. So yeah. we had a foundation um, and they did a great job of kind of sheltering us so that we didn't know how poor we truly were. Mm. Mm-hmm. Nope. That's, that's good. So for you now, as you, as you're growing up and you're getting different life experiences, right? You're outside of the house. Um, it sounded like you didn't necessarily start questioning things though, until the excommunication. So for you, um, you know, what, was there any sense of, as you were interacting with other people, like, huh, I, I'm intrigued by it. Or was it just, no, this is what I taught. This is what I believe. Like, this is right. I, for me, it was always... I was a bad person. Mm. I was a strong-willed woman that yeah. is taught is not looked well upon in those circles. And that was like my biggest downfall is I, I was strong yeah. and I was talked down to that from the time I was 
I, I, my kindergarten school pictures, I refused to smile. And they, they were going to take me to the principal's office and give me a paddling because I refused to smile. Wow. And how I was very strong-willed. So I always took it internally. Like it was a me problem. It was a my heart problem yeah. that I wasn't um, good enough or I wasn't able to follow what I had been taught, mm. but that's what I wanted to do. Like I, yeah. you know, I, I can just, you know, humble my heart. If I can just become less strong-willed, if I can just become this quiet, meek, humble person that this church wants me to be, then, and so I strove for that. And I would feel guilty if I listened to like anything but Christian music, like Southern gospel, even contemporary Christian was evil. Southern gospel wow. only. Wow. Wow. Um, like if I snuck a pair of pants on, I would feel like so guilty. Like it would just eat me up with guilt. So I truly felt like that's where, what I needed to attain to. Yeah. And anyone outside of that just, you know, did, was so wrong and had found straight for hell. And I just had to figure out how to make my, you know, get my heart right with God. So yeah, yeah it wasn't until all of the other things happened that I really was like, well, why, why yeah. do I need to feel why do I not do these things? And then that, that's what started the whole, what, what it was like my, my moral compass was like, ping, <laughs> like, <laughs> where, what is right? What is wrong? What is like, what, where are the boundaries? It was like, I was starting from scratch, something that yeah. most learn throughout their childhood, through their teen years, where those boundaries are. It was like, the world was just open to me and I didn't know what I believed. I didn't know what I stood for. Yeah. I was starting completely. Wow. So for you today, you know, having learned good life lessons, but also very constricted life lessons, how is that impacting you as a parent today in how you raise your children? I think it makes me, I'm a more hands-off parent, I think, than a lot of parents I know. Yeah. I focus more on teaching them to have personal responsibility. You make right decisions because you want to make right decisions. You choose to do things because you want to do them. Not because I'm telling you, because I know hundred percent that if I, I can talk to you till I am blue in the face and if you want to do it, you're going to find a way to make it happen. Yep. So to me, it's more important that they really understand their own heart and their own beliefs and their own desires and that they're making decisions based on that versus what I'm telling them. And the most important thing is they know that, no matter what, I love them. I support them. I am here for them, no matter what they choose in this life. Yeah. It's not I, my love, not based on their actions. Yeah. Well, and I think that's such a uh, interesting dynamic, right? Because as a, as a parent, there's probably certain times where you do show more love, whether it's Hey, they just got this good grade or, you know, report card, or they just had this phenomenal sporting event. And I think depending on how you're doing that, like kids can start getting that thought of, well, that's what I have to do to earn it. Right. So when you talk about that unconditional idea, so maybe elaborate a little bit more on that. I think that's good. Just making sure that they know, no, I like, I, I try very, and this gets into more physical appearance and things to do. Like I never try to make comments based on um, physical value, like what you look like, what, how your hair is, what, you know, what you're looking like today. Like I try to make more value-based statements on their worth, like their character, the things I'm seeing in them, the way they're treating their siblings, the way they're treating others. When I make them see wise decisions when they come to me and confide something in me that I know was hard for them. I'm proud yeah. of them for being willing to be honest and open with me because those are the communication skills 
that I want them to learn. And that is what I want them to know that their character is based on, not just, not just making me happy. Yeah. I, I think that's awesome how you're instilling, I mean, really like lifestyle thoughts, right? Uh, not end result goals. Um, I, I had David Meltzer on the show and he talked about how he talks to his kids and he says, uh, my wife one time told them that, hey, I expect you to get A's. And uh, he goes, you know, I understood why she said that, right? Because I want, we want our, everyone wants their kids to succeed in school, right? Sure. And it opens doors, all that. But he goes, what I told my kids was, instead of focusing on getting the A, just promise me you'll give it everything you have. And he yeah. goes, my, my belief is that if you give it everything you have, you'll get the A, right? Um, you, the only way you won't get an A is if you just don't give it your full effort. So he talked about really instilling that idea instead of, all right, I'm highlighting the end goal. And then that is where, you know, I'll be proud of. Absolutely. I love that. So. Definitely aligns with my philosophy and how I'm teaching my kids, the decisions that you're making, the thought process that you're having, those things are more important to me than what that end result is. Just like with learning, like I want to instill a love of learning in them, yeah. not just how to take a test. Right. right. <laughs> yeah. That always serves you uh, good for so long. I Oh, I know. <gasps> oh, that's great. So in, in the next part that you talked about then is, is the house part. And so um, I know you said, hey, not everyone's going to you know, completely, uh, you know, build, remodel, do their whole home, which you're exactly right. Most people, it's, you know, a mudroom, a bathroom, a kitchen, you know, a, a singular right. project. But uh, the, the thing that I would wonder for you is, you know, when you started in on this project, there wasn't as many people doing it. Today, there's a lot of different people doing farmhouses, doing right. mudrooms, doing whatever it is. You know, what is it about what you guys are doing or what you're building from a brand standpoint that has allowed you to, I don't know, I don't want to say like stick out comparatively, but really, you know, have a, have a great following compared to the fact that there's so many people now entering into that space. Sure. I think the biggest thing is that we, while we do niche down and you will hear a lot of people talking about that, you need to stick in this one category in this one category only. Yeah. While I do think that we're in, which I know this is kind of getting over into the social media aspect of it. While I do think that is important. I also think it is important to be well-rounded in your mm -hmm. brand. We're not only known for the house that we built. We're also known as parents. We're known as business people. I'm now known as cleaning person. Thanks to this rental house. Uh, we're known. <laughs> Like all these other categories of our life have now come into play and are part of our brand. Yeah. So instead of just saying, hey, we built this house and this is what we bring to the world and this is the value we give you and that's it. We've tried to do a really good job of pulling our audience into our lives and really just putting the whole picture out there for them and really just letting them feel like they're a part of the whole process. Yeah. So, so that brings up an interesting thought to me. And that is, um, is it difficult at times to really open yourselves up to be vulnerable in that aspect? Um, you know, with not, Hey, it's not just, I'm showing you the final project in the beginning project. Like this is our life. This is craziness. Uh, we, we do have yellow jackets coming into our house, right? But I mean, is it, is that a difficult thing or is that something that at this point you've just kind of learned to open up and be comfortable at with that? So let's go back a little bit. Yeah. In the beginning, it did make me nervous. It was nervous. It was nerve wracking for me for people to see. Because what you mainly see when you look at social media is this like almost just perfection, like mm. these perfectly curated feeds and these 
these beautifully aesthetic videos and these seamless looking projects and on TV, you know, it's like, oh, this is the junk house. And look, oh, five days later, oh, it's so beautiful. <laughs> you know, and it's hard for me to see that and then think like, that's not my life. <laughs> like this house is six months longer than we thought it was going to do. These projects are not finished yet. Like there's so much about, like there is nothing, nothing perfect about our lives. And it made me nervous to put that out there. And I was afraid people would be like, oh yeah, no, I, I want to be inspired by people that have their stuff together. Not by, you know, mom of four that's like literally pulling her hair out. However, I learned as I started putting the reality out there and as I started talking about where I'm coming from and what makes me make the decisions that I make and how I find my motivation and what the reality of the situation is, they love it. And they, yeah. they love the rawness of it, the realness of it, the authenticity. And because of that embrace of it, it makes me more comfortable sharing more of who we are. And it, I mean, an amazing example of this is this rental house. Yeah. Honestly, I was scared when we moved in. I was like, what is my content going to look like? Yeah. You know, everything <laughs> done for three was with the backdrop of this beautiful home. Yeah. Like I didn't have, it was beautiful. And now there's mold and there's <laughs> black stuff and like none of the walls are pretty and the light fixtures are hideous. And I mean, it's all just old and tiny. And I'm like, are they gonna like that? Are they gonna mm. be like, ooh, no, we like the pretty, pretty background. And I was nervous. Like, I'm like these, I work with a lot of brands. Like, are these brands going to be like, yeah, no, we want the pretty stuff. Like, we're not yeah. comfortable you showing our product in that not so pretty place. I got an email and this has been a slow process, but I got an email this week from one of my brands and it was a three-part series. And I had made sure to record all three parts before we moved out of the house. Yeah. Well, they shifted the content a little bit for the, the third round. They wanted to do something a little different. And I'm like, okay, that's perfectly fine. I'm happy to do that. But I just have to remind you, it's not going to have the pretty background because if you're wanting me to refilm this, I'm going to have to do it now. Right. And it's, it's this house. And she wrote back and she was like, we love that. We love the authenticity of it. We think that actually is better. And we're excited to see that. And it made me just so happy to know that not only has my audience embraced it with open arms, like they have just been so supportive and so kind through this entire process, but to also know that my brands are like, we love it. We're here to support you too. And we're all for it. That just, it made me so much happier and just so more confident that no matter what my life is looking like, no matter what the chaos is like behind the scenes, it's okay to show that. And it actually helps resonate better with people. Yes. And they're who we really are. And to be yeah. honest with you, which I'm maybe going to rabbit trail here. There were people, there was truly a subset of people that almost discredited me in the pretty house. Mm. Well, yeah, I could keep my house clean too. If I had a beautiful house like that. Well, yes, it's easy for her to stay organized. Look at all this amazing closet space and all this great organization she has. And I would respond like, this is, I'm 39 years old. And this is the first time in my entire life I've lived somewhere like this. We lived yeah. there for two years. So yeah. 37 years I have lived in campers, trailers, <laughs> houses that had holes in the windows and chickens are coming through it. Like that, that is the reality of my life, not yeah. this beautiful home. So learning 
to be organized and be clean and have a life that you're able to functionally live. And it's not about it being beautiful and it. It's about, about being able to functionally live with your kids and be able to, yeah. you know, cook, you need to cook and have the clothes clean. You need to have clean and make your kids feel the sense of peace. And that's what it is to me. Um, so anyway, so to be back in this space and be able to show people, this is more really who I am and how I work with these kind of spaces is almost a good thing. I, I feel like this is really more true to who I am. Though I am excited about the new house. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. Let's not get confused there. We are excited about that. So as you were speaking, like the, the thought that just kept going through me or through my head is, you know, people do talk about how on social, like it's people's highlight reels and things like that. And how refreshing it is when somebody is open, they're transparent, right? And you're like, oh, yeah, I mean, I had not that exact same thing happen. But yeah, I had a disastrous something happen last night, too. Well, Noelle had that and she's still rocking and rolling today, right? She's still forging forward. So I think that's a great realization on your side is, hey, the openness, raw and real people connect with that, right? Sometimes it's to your point on the latter part of what you were saying, it's tough to connect with someone you're like, yeah, I, I don't live in a house like that. I, I you know, I, I'm, I'm more in the house you're in now, right? I'm more in this rental spot rather than this beautiful one. Right. And honestly, like Daniel, he would ask me sometimes, like, why is it so important for you to, for people to know your background? Like, why do you feel it's so vital to say like, Hey, I grew up in poverty. Yeah. Like I given anything, like, why is it so like, why do you hone in on that so much? Like, why yeah. don't you just move on with your life? And, and I say, because there's other little girls out there, there's other teenagers, young single moms out there just where I was. And they need to know that I, that it can be okay, that you can yeah. make your life, that you can get to a good spot, no matter what your background looks like. And I will never forget where I came from and how important it is for me to reach those people and let them know that yeah. I, will, I will never past it. <laughs> I, I love that. And I mean, you, you can see when you talk how passionate you are about uh, that, that message getting out there. And I think the, uh, the interesting thing behind that is it, it really talks to the power of choice, right? Um, because there's so many people that you've probably met that have similar backgrounds or similar upbringings, or maybe even worse upbringings, um, or better upbringings, and they, they haven't taken that step. And so at some point, um, you know, we need to make that choice that's you know what, it's okay to want more. It's, it's okay to do something above what I've seen in my past. So maybe talk a little bit about that for you and, uh, you know, the freedom and the opportunities that have, have come after you've made choices like that. Absolutely. And I do remember how I spoke earlier about the religious aspect of yeah. looking at people. So I was always raised or taught, or maybe I wasn't intentionally taught, but you know, just the things you overhear, the things that are said, if someone has like a nice car and a nice house and nice things, oh, they must be in debt up to their eyeballs. Like that's all I ever thought. So if yeah. someone had nice things, oh, they're in debt. Like that's right. simple. That's how, that's how you explain that. They're in debt, you know? And it was never something that was a good thing to strive for. And even now, like my end goal is not to, you know, be, oh, like, like rich and famous and have all this money so that I can just, you know, do whatever I want to do. No. Yeah. It's to provide a solid foundation for my children to be able to provide them a life. And I, I saw somebody talking about this the other day. And I thought it was so good. You, the one, the biggest thing you can give your kids is a good childhood. Mm. You think, 
other parents think all these other things I need to give my kids or I need to expect these things from my kids. The biggest thing you can do for them is give them a happy childhood. They're going to have the rest of their lives to look back on their childhood and remember all the amazing memories that you've given to them, the great holidays. And even if it's simple, you know, like simple things, like just playing in the yard together. It doesn't mean it has to be some big elaborate vacation, just the simple things, just that love and the experiences that you're able to give them. That is my goal. And I just had to kind of honestly just seeing other people speaking with other people and seeing the perspectives that others are coming from in regards to money, in regards to wealth, in regards to nice things having those conversations just really opened my mind mm. and allowed me to see that, yes, money does not buy happiness, but it sure makes life a whole lot easier. Yeah. You know, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Being able, my kid is like, my daughter needs to go to the, the doctor this morning and we're talking about it. I'm like, all right, great. I call the doctor. We make an appointment. We're going to go in. It's, you know, probably $300, $300. Like, and I didn't think twice about it. Yeah. And I'm so thankful because there were times in my life that I definitely should have gone to the doctor and we never, and we didn't go, we didn't go. And that was like money was it. And we talk about that in the book, a specific incident where I convinced my parents to turn around and go back home on the way to the emergency room, because at 12 years old, I was petrified of the medical bill. Wow. So just being able to provide that kind of stability for my kids is priceless to me. Yes. You and I could talk about this the whole the whole day. So we're not going to, I, I'm forcing us to transition because I know you've got things to get done. But yeah, we could keep going all day. This is amazing. I, I'm stoked <laughs> to read your book here soon. Um, so so let's transition. Let's talk about social. Uh, so on the social this side- this is what I get most about. <laughs> what was it? I said, and this is the one I get the most long-winded about. <laughs> <laughs> all right let's clear our schedules the rest of the day I, I have a flight at 3 30 other than that we're good to go no so as we talk about that you know once again that has been uh you know pivotal to the success that you know you guys have had in regards to branding and connections and things like that so yeah once again in our first episode we talked about you saw an account that had 20,000 followers and you're like, well, gosh, if I could just get to 20,000, like then we will have arrived. So talk about the beginning phases of it and then getting through it. Because once again, similar to somebody that maybe sees the house, right? The house that you guys were just in, it's like, well, of course she can do that. She's got this gorgeous house. Well, of course she can do that. She's got 300,000 followers. Well, you didn't just wake up one day and go from a hundred followers to 300,000. So talk about that. Absolutely. So just like they say, you don't know what you don't know. Yep. And prior to February of 2018, I knew nothing about social media at all. Like I was just mom. I was home. I hadn't left the house in two years. I think we talked about that last time because my son, it, I had no clue what was changing in our world that, you know, I'd talk to people now that they were blogging and making an income even back in like 2009, like quite, you know, quite a ways back. And I was clueless, no, like no idea at all. Um, so I was literally starting from ground zero. <laughs> so if you think, oh, I don't really know that much. If you know, it exists, you know, more than I knew. <laughs> um, so yeah, she had 20,000. So my goal, my initial goal was to get 5,000 followers by the time we got done building the house. And I thought maybe I could do some kind of home goods store or something like that. Um, and I, we started on Instagram. That was our first platform. Yeah. And I just started sharing information, looking at the analytics that, you know, I love so much. Yes. Yeah what resonates with people? What do they love? What are they wanting from me? 
three main points, three main things you want to do with your social media, whatever it looks like. Entertain, inspire, and inform. Those three things. If you can find a way to hit on at least one of those things, that's what you need to hone in on, which of course I didn't know that back then, but I was just, okay, what am I, what are people resonating with? What are they responding to? What are they talking about? And I would try to find that and then give them more of that. And so just slowly grew, started, you know, a little bit, little bit, little bit. And of course, this is while we're building the house. This is, you know, all that chaos is happening. Still no goal, no, no idea really where this was headed, which I think is an important part. Being adaptable and being able to shift and change without having this picture in your mind of this is what is happening and this is my only option. Yes. But instead, being willing to divert and change it up and totally reinvent it if it needs to happen, instead of just being stuck in your ways and saying, this is the only way I'm going to do it. Mm-hmm. Or this is what I want to do. This is how I want to put myself out there. But instead, what do people need from me? How can I serve my followers? What can I provide? How can I provide value to their life? How can I make them smile today? How yeah. can I teach them? Focus on what you're, what they need from you versus what you think you need to bring to them. And just remember, you may not want to always put yourself out there, but there may be someone out there that needs you. They need to hear your voice. And you may think, oh, it's oversaturated. And there's so many people out there doing it right now. You think there's not thousands of other American 30 age families with kids building houses. There's lots of us. I'm no different. There's nothing, not a single thing about me that makes me special or like some unicorn that allowed me to grow nothing at all just getting your voice out there so that people can hear you that is the point do not worry about i'm not relevant there's too many people already doing it you have a voice that needs to be heard and that's what you have to focus on so back to what i was saying (laughs) (laughs) noel for president noel for president (laughs) so um started figuring that out and then i think we talked about this last time the first brand deal the first person the first dm i got in my my inbox on instagram that said hey you know can we provide you doors which totally just changed changed honestly that email if i had to attribute one thing that email is really what changed the direction of our lives yeah like yes social media had to happen for that to even happen so you could take it back to that step but that one email is truly what changed the trajectory of my thinking. Right. What else can we do? If they want to work with us, who else might want to work with us? And how can we use this to, you know, make this bill possible? Yeah. So that came, I, I can be an overachiever at times. And that just became my sole purpose. Like, who can I talk to? How can I make these connections? And I would send DM after DM after email after email, just trying to make these connections. and. It worked, <laughs> yeah. Which is a, a big point with social media: consistency yep. and pushing on, even when you're not getting responses, even when you're not getting emails, even when you're not getting an engagement, even when people don't seem to see you. Consistently showing up and putting that out into the world has to happen before anything else can. Yep. Even if you have, a lot of people think, oh, if I could just get a video to go viral. If I could just get one video to go viral, that would change my life. I could then have a social media platform. If you have a video that goes viral and people come back and look at your page and there's nothing else there, you have no brand. You have nothing. You have to have that brand there, that consistency, so that when something does go viral, which is a great thing to happen for sure, 
they, like you said earlier, they don't just see my video and be like, oh, that's cool and move on. They come, they see my page. Oh, they, there's a brand here. There's a family here. This is what they're doing on a daily basis. And they follow. Yes. So you're yeah. not just yeah, well, so there's so many good things that you said, but probably the two things that I, I think are most important to tie on to is one, uh, starting, right? It, you don't have to know all the things you, you have to be willing to start, but then two is uh, not being tied to the likes, the comments, the yeses or the noes. And I think for a lot of people, it, it's that fear of, oh, I'm going to be judged because I only got this many likes or I, you know, I, I didn't have anything go viral. And at some point to your point, you, you just kind of got to get over that because you, you didn't start with 300,000 followers, which means you didn't have 20,000 likes on a post to start with, but you had to start. Absolutely. You have to start and you have to be willing to do what you feel called to do, regardless of who I always say, if I had to count on my friends and family to have started me and got me going, I would not be here today because none of them even knew or cared what was happening until it was so big. And then they're all like, oh, like, I think locally people just started finding out about us in like June, like locally. <laughs> then it's like everyone's pieces together and it's like, yeah, we've been here the whole time, <laughs> but not, so you can't worry about the other people showing up. You just got to do it and you have to do it because you truly enjoy it. Yeah. And because you want to do it, if you're only doing it because you think you're going to grow a brand and that you're going to find the smashing success and all these amazing things are going to happen to you, you're going to burn out. Even yeah. when you get to where I am and you're able to post and get consistent results, if you're not loving it and enjoying it, it's still work. You're still going to get burned out and you're not going to enjoy the process whatsoever. So whether you have a hundred followers or a million followers, you have to enjoy what you're doing. Yes. Yeah. Well, and, and it's funny that you say that because I think sometimes people get this vision of, well, oh, on social media, they just make money and all they have to do is post. It's like, well, that that's that may be how they get compensated, but the way you create a brand and followers is interaction and engaging. So it's like, yes, social media becomes a job to, to someone like yourself where you're constantly getting back to people and you're constantly interacting with them, which once again, you're passionate about it. So it works out well, but to your point, if you're not passionate about it, you can have all of that, but it's going to trickle away quickly if you're not you know, re-engaging with folks. True. And, and if the thought of social media alone does not excite you, like let's, let's say a lawyer, a friend of mine on TikTok, she's a lawyer in Arkansas. She's got probably a, close to a million followers, if not. Does she need TikTok? No, but so say you're a lawyer, you're gonna have a social media and you are like, uh, I just don't, I don't wanna do social media to do social media. Find what it is about you and about your knowledge that you do enjoy so that you're not doing it just for the point of doing social media, you're truly talking about something that you're passionate about. Yes. So that way, like, oh, I have to post, I have to talk, I have to engage. It's like, oh, I get to talk about, for me, cleaning. I get to talk about design. I get to talk about house building. It's, it's fun for me. Yes. Yes. No, that's so good. So in the, in the nuts and bolts of what you talked about, you talked about the analytics and researching it and, you know, making sure that what you're posting is engaging with the folks that uh, it needs to, to reach, right? So what are maybe one or two, you know, tangible takeaway items for people that are trying to grow that presence that, hey, analytics wise, this would be a smart thing to be tracking or doing? Absolutely. So what I would say if I was coaching someone, 
is say there's, um, let's just say 10, 10 different aspects of your life that you think people may be interested in, right? Mm -hmm. So for, for someone like me, it could be, I could cook, I can clean, I can homeschool, I can, I enjoy DIY projects, I enjoy house building, um, I like to detail my car, so he's not about cars, uh, horses, uh, my dog, like just 10 things, yeah. I'm almost 10 things. Post about those 10 things in different settings, different ways, do that for like a month. Get all this different content out there. Then go back and look at the analytics for every single one and see if you can find a pattern. Mm. Which of those 10 things in which of the ways that I presented them did people engage with the most? And then take the elements of those things that engage the most and find ways to reproduce them. Mm. Maybe it's not the exact same format, but it's this these the details, just kind of this general direction. Yeah. How can I do that? Another way you can do it is find someone that's doing something similar to what you think you want to do. So if it's another mom, she could come to my page and say, okay, Noelle is talking about these things. Let me look at her videos, see which ones are doing well, read the comments. What are people saying? How are they engaging with her content? And how can I be inspired by mm. that? Not how yeah. can I copy her? Yeah. Not how can I do what she's doing, but how can I be inspired to do my own thing that has similar elements to what I'm seeing her doing. Yeah. So that, that would be my advice. That's great. That's a great, great piece of advice. Yeah. Find someone that's in the space you want to be in. And to your point, don't copy, take notes, what's working, and then put your spin on it. Yes. Perfect. Now we, we have to pivot to another social media platform that you're very passionate about. The newest. The greatest TikTok. <laughs> TikTok. <laughs> so talk so, about that because, you know, once again, I'm sure there are certain principles that you were able to carry over from Instagram to TikTok to help grow it, but also it's its own platform. It's completely different in a lot of ways. Totally. So and a lot of people that. are scared of it. A lot yeah. of people are intimidated by it. They don't understand it. They think they have to do the trends. They think they have to get on there and dance. You will <laughs> never catch dancing ever. <sighs> Um, but I think the biggest, like the overarching viewpoint here would be that adaptability that we talked about, like not getting so stuck in what you successful. So say you're on Instagram, you're successful, you're making money, you've got an audience that's following you. I'm so content over here that I'm not even going to pay attention to what's going on over here, but instead researching, looking what's upcoming, where are people starting to spend their time? Because the early adapters definitely get the upper hand. The people that were first on Instagram had an easier time growing platforms and getting an audience. The first people that came onto TikTok had an easier time. The further into the game you wait, the harder it's going to be to grow that platform. So that, but that's more just an overarching piece that can apply yeah. to any platform that you see. Like anytime I hear about a new platform that has any kind of viability, I try to go, go ahead and download it, get my username handle or reserved. And I have it. And then if I start hearing things, I'll know yeah. that maybe I should start putting some content on there. Yeah. So just open to change is the yeah. biggest thing. Um, but as far as TikTok alone, like, do you want to get into the actual? Do it. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> so TikTok alone, for me, it kind of started as a joke because this would have been December of 2019. So my yeah. then 14 year old daughter, I think she would have been, was on there and 
you know, it was really new and all these kids were joking about becoming TikTok famous. And it was kind of like this joke. So it was Christmas Eve, I think, or maybe Christmas Eve Eve. And I jokingly was like, watch your old mama do this. You know, like, let, let me show you how this, let me show you young kid how this is done. Yeah. So I made a video, I put it on there and it got, a mil it went over a million views. Wow. <laughs> and I was, I just kind of laughed, you know, like it was just kind of funny. And of course she was like, ah, ah. <laughs> well, fast forward, I didn't post much more after that because at that point, everyone just laughed at it. It was yeah. a platform for teenagers. It was just the kids on there having fun. It didn't have any true value. Um, so I didn't, I didn't do a whole lot. And then March came and we all know what March of 2020 would look like. Right. Yeah. And I immediately saw what was happening. Everyone's staying at home. Everyone's on social media more than ever. And I started seeing other people showing up in that space that I had never seen before. And I knew that that was the time that was when I needed to get on there, be, start being consistent. I was posting several videos every single day, engaging with people and got in at a really good time, which is not the only answer. Yep. If, if only the people that got in at a good time are successful, there wouldn't be that many successful people. That yeah. alone is not the only key. It does help, but it's yeah. not the only, so don't be discouraged if you've already missed that boat, right? Yeah. So it did help. So got in there, found a way to make it my own. I didn't get on there and dance. I didn't get on there and lip sync songs and, you know, do the, th the trends and the trending hashtags and the trending sounds like everyone was saying I had to, I made it my own. Yeah. I started and I, I experimented. I tried different formats, different ways of presenting my content, different ways of talking about what was going on and watched my analytics until I could tell that the, the thing that was resonating most with people is the format that you now see. So showing whatever it is I'm doing, voiceovers, which I, I think it's so funny how divisive my voice is. Like how, how can a voice be so divisive? Like people either hate it with a passion and like you rave <laughs> or your voice is the most angelic thing I've ever heard in my life. Can you read me stories? Like it's one extreme or the other. There's no one that's just kind of like, ah, her voice is all right. You know, it's like one or the other. Yeah. Um, but leaned into that and that's what became recognizable about me so even if i'm talking about something totally like last night's video you'll have to go watch it and see what i'm talking about but i didn't just jump in with the the scene of panic like because that's what it is i'm holding the phone cleaning and then you see hear me scream and then you quiet and then i'm like ah run crew, run and we run out of the room i didn't just start with that i started with uh i was cleaning eyes's window last night and this happened so that way immediately they know it's me Yep. And then they'll go on and watch the rest of the video. So I just had to leave that, find what it was about me that set me apart, that made me identifiable. What do people relate to? And how can I repeat that? And now that's my form. And I found it that it works. So now I use that constantly. Yes. Now, I know a lot of people talk about, I don't know if you want to call it like promoting uh, in your story versus promoting in posts and things of that nature. Do you have like a ratio of, you know, how you suggest people are posting and things like that um, on different uh, social media platforms? Are you talking about in brand deals? Or are you talking about in just personal growing kind, platform? Yeah, kind of just the personal side. Okay. So with Instagram, what I have always said is that your feed is the pretty thing that attracts somebody. 
that makes them want to come see what's going on here. Maybe like take a pretty house, a beautiful home. Someone sees it. Do they instantly know who you are and what you're about? No, but they just see you have a pretty home and it attracts them, right? Yeah. They come for and that's your stories. Yep. That's where they get to know you. That's how you show them your personal life, what's going on, you know, what I'm dealing with today. And that I leaned on that so heavily in the beginning because yeah. we were in the building. It was chaos. I didn't have pretty pictures to show people. So I, I attracted them with something beautiful and shiny. Yeah. And then in my stories, I'm like, all right, here's reality. <laughs> um, so that, that's my, that's what I would say for Instagram specifically. Yeah. TikTok is different. You don't have stories, first of all, which I wish they would get them because it is so nice to just have that little way to drop stuff in there without doing a full on video. Right. Um, but they have the post, but the, the biggest things, consistency. No matter what that looks like, it can be once a week, it can be two times a week, once a day, three times a day, whatever you're going to do, be consistent with it. Yeah. And for me personally, and other teachers will tell you different things, but for me personally, I like to find a time that is consistent. Mm -hmm. My followers know that starting at eight o'clock every night, something's going to start filtering in from me. And yeah. now if you my comment section, you'll see, I was on here waiting for your video tonight. I knew comment and it's funny that they know I do I pretty much do three every night too and they know that and if I do a fourth one they'll be like oh we got four videos tonight you know bonus because content I did not do that intentionally but that's what's happened and they know what to expect from me and more importantly the algorithm knows what to expect from you so it knows how to push your content out it knows who who watches it who engages with it and it knows when it's coming in and where it's going to go which yeah. the algorithm is, you know, you want that to be your good friend if you're trying to grow a brand. <laughs> Absolutely. That's, that's just like Pavlovian dog, right? Uh, you know, <laughs> hey, you, you hear the bell ring, you salivate. It hits eight o'clock. We know Noel's about to drop some content for us. Yes. Yes. I love it. So well, that may be different. Yeah. Audience may be new, maybe 8 a.m. It, it can be totally different. And it, and it doesn't, and like you could do 8 a.m., 12 and five or whatever, whatever works for you and your audience, but it's just that consistency. Yep. There's a lot of power in that. There's a lot of power. Yeah. In that. Well, any other things that are, you know, maybe one or two tips, tricks, tangible social media takeaways that you'd like to share with people or that have been extremely impactful for you? I just think the biggest message that I want to get out there is just do it. Yeah. Even if you're just doing it on a small scale, even if you have, which I, I'll say a small scale and some people might laugh, but so let, let's just say, you know, TikTok followers don't quite equate to Instagram followers, yep. but let's say you have 10,000 on Instagram and a hundred thousand on TikTok. That may be considered small, right? Yep. And in some, world, some they consider that a ton. I don't definitely don't mean to diminish that, but it's Absolutely. a small platform. You can still make thousands of dollars a month doing that. If that's what you're trying to do, you can yep. still get a ton of customers from that. You can still get business from that. You can still build this audience that can truly change your life. Even mm. if it's just making, like I, I know plenty of people in my lifetime that being able to generate $3,000 a month would make a total difference for their family. Yeah. Like stay at home moms that are able to bring in some income, that can be a game changer. Absolutely. So just do it. Whatever your goals and priorities are, whatever you're trying to accomplish from it, I just, it is such a big tool and I just have such a passion for letting people know what is capable. Like you don't know what you don't know. So if you don't know that you can get on there and make money and that you can provide for your family and that you can do things with it, 
then you're not going to pursue it at, at soccer on Saturday. Not to throw anyone under the bus here, but they were talking about TikTok and whatever. And I, and they asked if I knew somebody and I said something like, well, normally when I'm on there, I'm working. So I'm not super just on there to be entertained. And one of the ladies sitting there openly scoffed and laughed like, <laughs> and then I, just, I was like, oh, she just, she doesn't know. She doesn't know. Right. And how people out there just don't know. And no matter what line of work you're in, if you're a real estate agent, if you're a lawyer, if whatever you're doing, you can provide value and add an asset to your life. They can totally change things for you. Yeah, that's amazing. I, you know what? You, you talked about how when your parents get bought into something, like they go full steam ahead. You definitely got that great <laughs> for your parents. <laughs> if, if there's something well oh, passionate about, she is all in on it. Hopefully it's in good directions, though. It seems to be. It seems to be in good directions. <laughs> well, as always, Noel, I appreciate your time. And yes, so the book launch, we can pre-order now. Yes. And then the book launch is in spring. The first book comes out March 8th. March 8th. In October. I love it. I love right. it. Well, we will make sure to include that. But thank you again for your time. Absolutely. It's been a pleasure. I, I obviously get very excited about these topics. So <laughs> thank you for letting me talk about them. <laughs> you bet. Thanks, Noel. Thank you. Noel, thanks so much for sharing your story. Uh, there are so many phenomenal takeaways in there. I think one of the things that stood out to me most about Noel is that there were so many times and there were so many reasons as to why uh, life couldn't have turned out the way it has for her, but she's just always persevered, kept pushing forward. In the, in the show notes, you'll see that I've included the link to pre-order her book. Go ahead, hop on Amazon, pre-order Noelle's book. Thanks so much, everyone.